Welcome to Park City Church. You're listening to our weekly message, where we hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to know and follow Jesus and welcome and serve others. Thank you for tuning in. We're reading from Colossians chapter 1 again this morning, starting in verse 9. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption. The forgiveness of sins. As we step into Colossians, uh, we say this from week to week. There's always, uh, and, and it's true, as Kristen was reading for us this morning, there is always a lot that we could say, uh, particularly about sections of scripture like this. Right, so it's the beginning of a letter. On one respect, it feels kind of formulaic. It's, you probably maybe just gloss through it. Oh, he says, hello, I love you guys. I love you guys so much. I'm praying for you. And then he gets into like the really important stuff. On the one hand, we can dismiss it. On the other hand, uh, when you read a passage like this, you know, the phrases just kind of flow, flow, flow. The sentences are, uh, at least not by uh, English grammar standards, constructed in a way that uh, makes them easy to read. And you're just like, you're just lost in a flow of phrases. and. Uh, uh, you know, well, what's really happening here? But they're rich and dense. And again, there's a lot we could say, and, and we won't say it all. I won't say it all this morning. And, uh, but, but I would like to say one thing about the passage that was read for us. I, I want to offer it up to you as uh, the, a suggestion for maybe what, what the thrust of this moment is for Paul as he is praying for this group of people, a young church, that has been formed in a culture where on the one hand, their history of sort of life with kind of the pantheon of pagan gods is pulling them one direction. This newfound faith in Jesus uh, has also brought them, uh, brushed them up against sort of Jewish history and culture. And, and, and so, you know, what, what role do those laws now have for our life as a newly formed community around Jesus that in this moment, Paul prays for them. This new church, this young church. And my suggestion to you, I, again, I, I just want to just kind of tip my hand up front. This is, I would suggest maybe what is a thrust of this prayer here is that as Paul prays for them, we made the observation last week that he is pushing them towards maturity, that they would grow. This new thing that has started in their life would, would grow, would flourish and, and mature. Uh, and he'll explain sort of more of what that looks like as he continues, but that in this prayer, he's uh, putting forth to them that to grow in life together to grow in life together is to walk in greater dependence on, not independence from, the God who redeems them. All right, so I'm just going to say that again, uh, and you guys are like, sweet, I can wait till the end, and uh, I'll have taken away what I may perhaps need to take away. But I, I want to suggest that in my attempt to summarize the, the movement of this prayer, that, that what Paul is encouraging them, his readers, and us, is that to grow in this new life in Christ, to grow in life together, it is to walk ever more in, in greater dependence on and not independence from right, the God who redeems. 
we helped, uh, uh, several of you were generous with your time, we helped uh, Josiah and Aaron, who have been a part of like worship and, and our community here. They're headed to Wisconsin. Uh, we helped to move yesterday, and uh, I showed up, you know, respectfully late after all the hard work was done, and, uh, you know, hopped, you know, I got home, and I pulled into the garage, and uh, before I could open the door, my kids ran to the door, uh, to the garage, and were like, there's a bat in the basement. Right? So I, I closed my door and just backed out of the garage. I said, call Jess. Just call me when you guys get it sorted. Right? Um, I, I thought uh, of this moment uh, as, as a, maybe perhaps an example. I think of the way we think about maturity and as a bad example uh, of its expression in my life. Uh, so I'd like to tell you that I responded like a mature, grown-up, brave adult. Right? I didn't do that. I, I sent Jess into the basement first. I closed the door and then I called the police. All right? And well, I texted some friends and said, hey, do you know a guy? And that guy was like, you should call the police. So under good counsel, right, I, I called the police, which turns out is animal control, the non-emergency line of the police department. I didn't know those were the same thing. Uh, yeah, I don't, you know, Jess is here this morning, so she did okay. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but, but, but I think, right, so in this moment, right, regardless of what this may say about my own level of maturity and security, I, I do think it's maybe uh, in some sense revelatory about the way we think about maturity, that we c- correlate growth, maturity with independence, right, with, with self-reliance, right, that the, 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 the less I have to depend on others, that's a reflection of sort of my stability, my security, my maturity, uh, that, that I, right, am growing, that as we grow in independence uh, from the need of others, well, then we are growing more mature. You guys know this, you know it at work when you train someone new, right? You, you, you want to equip that person to not need your help, right? That, that as they train with you, maybe, uh, you know, whatever those systems are like for you, you train someone and then release them into their work. You want them to sort of be able to function independently from you, right? That's a mark of growth and maturity. We, we know it in life. My kids turned 10 last week. Jess was walking around the block with them this week. At 10, it hadn't bothered me, but then I was like, 10, oh man, right? What's that mean for me? And uh, I love my children, but what does that mean for me? Right, they're 10. My kid keeps saying, I'm a decade old. And I'm like, shut up. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, right, but Jess and the girls are walking around the block, and, and she's like, they just kept holding my hand, right? Just like, whoo, whoo, right? She's like, I'll be like, kind of shake free. And they're like, wham. And, and the feeling is like, oh, you know, that won't continue forever. The more mature they get, they will grow in independence, and we need them to do that. And the mark of that maturity will be that, I, I, won't, I won't have to or get to. I don't know what the right word is there. Hold their hand. I, I, I think, it, you know, we apply it all the time. I think we also apply it to our faith, to the way in which we think about uh, growing in Christ. Right? I, I think it's, it's a move that Paul recognizes in this prayer as he prays for this young church, that, that we are drawn towards a kind of view of growth and maturity that says the, the, mo- the more self-reliant we can become, the more independent we can become, the, the more mature we are. 
The Colossians felt this tension, right? They're pulled in one direction towards sort of pagan culture and life that they knew. The other sort of this establishment of, of the laws of the Old Testament in a way in which that would have been new to them. Like, so what, how do we relate to these spaces? And I, and I wonder if uh, on the one hand, right, like that space of law and rules is appealing to us because it gives us the, the sense of independence. Just tell me, sort of give me the clear lines, give me the rules, cut me loose, and then I'll know where I stand. I, I, can, I can manage, right? If I know the rules, then I can manage. I, I, I thought again of my kids, uh, for, for, for good or ill, we gave them some version of a Fitbit for uh, their birthday, you know, they're 10 now, they're mature adults, but um, we give them a Fitbit, right? They're like, we want a Fitbit, and I've probably done this to them because I'm talking about how many steps I take a day and all these kinds of things, and now my kids who are 10, I'm like, there's this metric in their life they have never cared about, that now it's like a competition. Did you get more steps than me? How many steps did I get? How many miles did you walk? I walked this many miles, and I tell them, I wake up every morning and say, I went for a run before you even rolled over in bed, so I will crush your dreams. I have way more steps than you. You will never catch up with, with me. But I thought it's that, it's that feeling of like, give me something I can count, that I can measure. Just tell me the rules. Give me the sense of like self-reliance, that I'm growing in independence, and, and that'll be a mark of my maturity. We, we do it all the time, not just the kids, not just at work. We do it in our faith, right? In a, in a culture that, that celebrates self-reliance, right? That a, a culture where to admit our need for anyone in, in, in the flesh, much less uh, God, right, is, is, is a, a slightly unnerving and unvalidated like move. This is not a space that we celebrate, the idea of, of being reliant upon anything, it disrupts sort of the curated kind of images of independence and security and control that we seek to kind of put forward. I got this, right? Yeah, life is hard, but we're doing okay. I, I got this. We, 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 say we don't want to be a burden, right? Like if I, if I admit my reliance, my need for others, well then well, I'm being a, an imposition on others, a, a, a burden, not you know, a part of someone else's sort of struggle. And I don't want to do that, but that fear of being a burden, it's real, it's genuine. And culture has sort of created the illusion that maturity means kind of self-reliance and, and independence. But I wonder if Paul, as he writes this prayer, and sends it to this young church. Man, it's, it's just pushing against that pull in our sort of present moment. If what he has to say doesn't have some traction for how we might carry this notion of maturity. Right, Paul offers a different view, right? A different perspective. He says to grow in life together is to walk in even greater dependence on, not independence from, God. Specifically, specifically, the God who redeems and forgives, which is an important detail, right? That, that Paul says the, 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 the journey of growth and the life of faith, this new life that you have found in Christ, he says, is, is not to sort of grow up and away from this thing that you have experienced. It's to grow more dependent upon uh, the, the one who redeems and forgives, I wonder, like, if I just read it again, I would invite you to listen. Uh, I, w I want you to listen for uh, sort of the subjects of the action here, all right? Sound good? Uh, listen for what God's activity is in the passage and then uh, for, you know, the role of the listener. 
So, Paul says, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as to walk in a worthy manner, a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Is this a prayer for greater independence in your life of faith or dependence? To be clear, there is activity here on our part, right? We are walking, we are bearing fruit, we are growing in knowledge, Paul prays, enduring, giving thanks, all of these things, sort of the context of this image, this sort of singular image of walking. As you grow, as you continue to walk in this faith, these would be the uh, expressions of this new life you have in your life. But, But man, all of that in this prayer, all of that is situated within the context of an even greater actor. Like the, the, the subject, capital S, of, of the prayer here is not us and our independence and our growth. It's, it's God. He's the one filling with wisdom and knowledge. He's the one strengthening and giving endurance to people who may be tired, and who may, who may uh, be uh, weighed down with sort of uh, uh, life. Even though they've tasted new life, now the context of their life perhaps leaves them burdened. He's the one who gives strength and joy and comfort and endurance. He, he's the one who delivers, who qualifies for inheritance, gifts, inheritance. He's the one who transfers and redeems and forgives. Like All of the growth that happens in this passage for Paul happens within the context of, of someone who is acting already for and on your behalf and mine. It's like There's a couple folks in our church visiting Niagara Falls this week. It's like Niagara Falls. You read this prayer. It's just like Paul is praying. Like the phrase is kind of like, they start to just, to me, they kind of billow forth, right? They just kind of roll onward, like the water sort of moving. Paul's prayer for this community, they would grow in in life and in Christ. The, the, The phrases just kind of spill over like a cascading chorus of what God's work is on our behalf. Right? He redeems, he transfers, he, he moves, he gives life, he gives strength, he empowers. He, all these things that just kind of roll forward until it reaches the kind of climactic, white-watered fever pitch where he says, the son whose kingdom is a work of redemption who forgives sins. Right? This, this growing, billowing sort of intensity as it builds, builds the current sort of growing and it, it, it ends in this expression of of the truth that Paul celebrates and calls all of us into, the forgiveness of sins. Right? Wisdom, that you'd know his will, that, that, that you'd endure, that you'd know his strength when you are weak. All, all of these, the churning currents of this prayer, they find their energy, they find their, their, their source, their movement. It's happening within the current of a God who redeems and who forgives, who takes what is broken in your life and somehow works new growth, who takes uh, what is probably belongs in the basement of your life and, and brings healing and works life and, 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 and redeems, a God who works, who, whose, whose kingdom is characterized by forgiveness. Here's what I think happens and what this prayer nudges you and I away from. 
I said, man, we, we want to buy into the myth of like self-reliance, independence. Give me the right disciplines. Give me the right, uh, just give me the right rules, right? The, the, the feeling, we, we probably wouldn't say this, but the feeling is that the longer we walk this path of faith, the further removed we grow from our need for forgiveness, right? Like the less reliant we be become. But Paul says, no, 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 no. Young church, remember this, right? Know this. Be rooted ever and always in the story of the God who redeems, whose, whose life and character is marked by forgiveness. Do not, you cannot, you, you will not outgrow this truth. Paul drawing them through prayer again into this beautiful moment, this language of inheritance and redemption and forgiveness. Echoes of Old Testament themes, the scope of which is much larger than just sort of the guilt that you may carry, just the brokenness in the world as it impinges even on your life, that God's kingdom will take those things. His forgiveness will work and he will bring life. Paul in this moment clarifying for that young church, that new church, and for you and me, what growth looks like. Let me remind you, he says, of, of, of what is happening in your life. You are God's people whom he has qualified, verse 12, whom he has delivered from uh, sin's tyranny and whom he has redeemed through his son. You, your lives are now situated in a new context, and that context is one of forgiveness. Maturity and growth, he says, doesn't happen sort of by you outgrowing that, like moving on. He says, no, you, you walk this walk by, and grow by becoming more dependent on rather than independent from a God who redeems and forgives. I love the image, the close of this prayer, like where he lands, the forgiveness of sins. It's... Um, I don't know, like what will follow, we'll look at next week. So he moves straight from this declaration, this prayer. Uh, as you walk, live here. Remember, you stay rooted in the God who redeems and forgives. And out of that, he'll immediately jump into this beautiful sort of eruption of, of celebration of Christ. That Christ is the one who holds all things together. But what will take him into that moment, what will usher him into that explosion of joy is remembering that what characterizes his work in the world and in your life is redemption and forgiveness. The mark of his kingdom, the kingdom of his son. What, what, what differentiates light from darkness in this prayer and in this moment is the forgiveness of sins. If you'll allow me, I'd like to take you back to the bat in my basement. Yes? You guys ever had bats? I don't know. The uh, animal control lady came and she's like, oh, you know, not, not a problem. You got big trees. You know, it happens all the time. I'm like, it doesn't happen all the time here, right? <laughs> like, uh, I'm glad you're so comfortable. Please save us, right? Um, right, so, uh, you know, she, she shows up. She was great. I was, I don't know, I was picturing like Parks and Rec, the animal control guy, like yells all the time, and she wasn't that, which was great. Um, but, uh, you know, she shows up she, with a Tupperware, right? Like, I mean, like, I could have pulled, 
Jess was like, just grab some Tupperware. I'm like, no, you grab Tupperware. <laughs> right? Like, uh, I'm not going down there. Right? She shows up with Tupperware. And uh, she had a pole and a net, which I think was just for appearance because she didn't use that. But went downstairs and uh, took the lid. And she's just chatting it up. I'm like, I'm just going to stay over here. You, uh, let me know how it goes over there. <laughs> she's just like, uh, you know, he's just hanging out on the wall. She's like, get in there, buddy. You know, and just, you know, I'm like, where is your sense of urgency? <laughs> right? Uh, she gets him in there. And where she, she comes upstairs, sets him on the counter. Like, this, this cannot be, like, appropriate. And uh, I go get a kid because I'm like, well, I think maybe the kids will want to see it. One of my kids takes after me. She's like, uh-uh. <laughs> right? I'm staying upstairs. And so the other, one, uh, the other one comes down, and we're, like, looking at it. And the bat's, like, in this small top where the lady's just a-chatting. Wings open. Its mouth is open, just like teeth. I mean, it's like a horror movie, right? <laughs> Remove the Tupperware and not, you know, I was running out the front door. And it's just like mouth open and, and we're looking at it and I, my kid is kind of unnerved and uh, I, she starts talking. She's like, oh, you know, this is not a big deal. Look at it. It's little teeth, you know. Its teeth are so small. If it bit you, you wouldn't even know it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I, uh, but she starts talking and she's like, you know, if it had been in your bedroom and I could see my kid like, uh, right? I thank you. None of us are sleeping for like a week. It was all a little absurd, but can I tell you what the most absurd moment of the afternoon was for us? Was that uh, we, found the, we found the bat, and uh, we called, you know, as a mature adult, for help. <laughs> uh, and in the intervening moments while we're waiting for animal control to show up, uh, you want to know what we did? We were like, we better clean up the basement. <laughs> right? I know, you're laughing because it's ridiculous. Right, we, we, we have this notion, I'm like, oh, I don't know, right? Maybe we should clean it out for the stranger from animal control that's coming to rescue us from this villainous vampire bat. So we go downstairs, right? I did begrudgingly follow Jess. And, you know, one eye sort of dutifully trained on the bat across the room. I'm like picking up stuff in the basement, right? Stuff that's been there for like five years. Seriously, like, what, what were we thinking? <laughs> Right? Like, hey, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what I was thinking. I'm like, you only get one chance to make a first impression. So, right, maybe we, we want this to really look good. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I was afraid she would walk in, see my clean living room, fairly clean kitchen, uncluttered and nice. Then she'd go in my basement. Oh, yeah, you deserve this bet. Right? Right, she'd see the junk in the basement and then be like, oh, yeah. And I wonder. I wonder if that's not a bit of the grace of God in our lives. We think growth is like, I got to clean up the basement, right? I got all this junk and I don't know. But the, real, the thing I really need help with, that a God who is gracious and forgiving wants to show up and just, just pull the Tupperware out and let me help you with this, right? Like I'm running around sort of picking up deflated unicorns and, and you know, year old, you know, two-year-old toilet, uh, it was clean toilet paper, but that I had hoarded, right? Sorry. Sorry. Sorry, that I had hoarded during COVID. I, I got I to gotta, stick to the notes. Um, but I wonder, right? Like, how ridiculous did I look? I mean, really? Like, let me move this stuff. I wonder, as Paul writes this prayer, and he knows that's the pull of the human heart. You're going to grow in faith. God and his grace is going to set you free to new life. 
And over time, you're going to feel the pull of like, oh, I got to, I got to sort of, you know, show my stuff. I got, I, I got to grow. I got to, I got to prove my self-reliance. I can do this. I can make this work. But then life happens and pressure builds and, and we're kind of running around trying to clean it up. And all the while, God whispers to us, I'm the God who redeems and the God who forgives. Just trust me. Trust me. Let me move you towards the admission of the ridiculousness of your own attempts at self-improvement and independence in your faith. And let me draw you again to where it started. The God who forgives and the God who redeems. Because the walk of faith for you and me, it's not some self-improvement project, right? We're not just trying to be better humans, right? We are dead in our sins, dead, broken. Uh, You don't have to look too deep inside or too far outside to see the evidence and truth of this reality. We we are dead. We don't need to just be kind of self-improvements or better people. We need a God who redeems, forgives, and brings new life out of things that are woefully broken. We 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 think, ah, oh, we we got this. Once we get started, we got this. And our need for God or even for others takes a backseat to self-reliance and independence. Paul says, let me pray for you. No, 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 no. Let me bring you again ever and again back to the God who redeems and forgives. So I wonder this morning, what do you carry? What in your life this morning are you relying on in your own strength? Out of some stoic sense of self-reliance, maybe a misguided sense of maturity, like I got this, we can handle this. I don't know what this space is for you. And maybe in that space in your life, regardless of stage of life, you're just kind of like shuffling stuff around your basement. Right, thinking it's going to make a difference when the genuine help shows up. The help of a God who is gracious and forgiving. The help of a God who, who gives the strength to endure. Doesn't rely on you to muster it up. The help of a, of a God who gives you the knowledge of his will. When you don't know what to do, who to believe, or what to trust. The help of a God who grants you the gift of inheritance when you feel like you don't deserve it. The help of a God who redeems forgives. That's the good news for you this morning. That your growth and mine doesn't rest on our shoulders. It rests on the shoulders of another. Another who says, Matt, 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 please put down the giant deflated unicorn. Put down the box of obsolete electronics you've been moving around for six years or whatever, right? Put down all that stuff and trust me. Let me help you. Let me be, bring, grant, give what you need. Let me help you grow. This is where I think Paul takes us. For you and me to grow in a life of faith is not to become more independent, but to grow ever more dependent upon the God who redeems and forgives. Will you guys stand Thank you for me? listening to the Park City Church Podcast. To learn more about our church and or to find ways to get involved in our community, visit us at parkcitykc.com or follow us on social media at parkcitykc.com.